everyone. Welcome to our show, Life Hurts, God Heals. My name is Chris Woolwind, and I'm tickled to be here, I think. You know, this is uh, this show is now season, the first episode, what we're calling season two or season 2.0. If there's a change, we can always add a digit or something like that, right? But I'm glad you're here to join me as we talk about a deeper walk with Jesus. Um, In the previous season, I was joined by my co-host, Kurt Flagel, who is on sabbatical right now. Um, And I don't know when he'll get back. But you know how those things go. And also our wonderful producer, Annie, uh, decided, well, if he's going to take a break, well, then I'm going to take a break. And hers is a well-deserved break. But she'll be back. And so looking forward to that. So I can't believe this. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, this whole uh, idea of a radio show Uh, began in a restaurant when Kurt and I were just, you know, eating breakfast, talking about life in Jesus and what God was doing and so forth, and then thought, you know, what would it be like if people were listening? And so that's how the show began. But now I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm eating in the restaurant all by myself, and I'm talking to myself. At least, I hope not. I hope you're listening. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And uh, one of the little uh, traditions that uh, we began early on was to do a little bit of trivia. And uh, on whatever came to mind, well, uh, mine has a little bit of a, of a lean toward the topic that we are going to uh, talk about today, which is uh, how to cooperate with God during this COVID-19 virus. Boy, it even sounds cold, doesn't it, that virus, but um, that name. Anyway, I have um, the word discipline, and I was thinking immediately of a period in my life when my wife and I, we decided we would join a gym. Uh, this was many years ago. And uh, um, I think I, I don't. I honestly don't remember how many times we went, but we joined the gym, and uh, maybe we went three times or five times, and then after that we were done. And I was just curious how how many people actually stick with the whole gym kind of thing. So I looked it up, and I just thought this might be interesting for you. And I got this from Rebecca Lake, who is a journalist at Crit Donkey. And I'll just go through uh, several of these. She has 23 different statistics. But um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, She says most people don't make it past the five-month mark. Um, 80% in January 2012 quit within five months. 80%. (laughs) I love that. 
Also, February is a better time to join than January. She says, gym rats notoriously resent the resolution seekers who crowd their gyms in January and like clockwork are gone by February. Isn't that something? Oh, and you'll love this, whoever you are, women are more likely to bail than men. Who'd have thought? Among those who joined a gym, dropped out within the first year, women accounted for 14% versus just 8% for men. I'm not even going to comment on that. You know, I, I don't want to start any fights out there. And what else does she say? Only about half of the members go on a regular basis. In 2017, uh, half of the existing members visited the gym 100 times or more during the year. So I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be like three or four times a week, something like that. Now, this is interesting. Gym owners actually expect disloyalty, and they're fine with it. She says, if all the people who purchased gym memberships were truly dedicated to exercising regularly, the clubs would have a real problem trying to squeeze everyone in. That's actually fine with gym owners who would expect only about 23% of people who buy memberships to use them consistently. In fact, to be profitable, they need about 10 times as many members as they can actually fit through their doors. Wow. Uh, well, I know that I'm not helping them, so... Uh, people who do go are paying more than they should, but you probably know that already. Let's see. Any other things here? Oh, one patient rate than the rest. Now, I'm thinking, because I'm from California, that we're like number one. You know, we have a reputation for being super happy, like me, physically fit, like me. But it actually comes in second in terms of its gym Participation, participation rate. It's Colorado that takes top honors. Well, you know what? That's incentive for me right there to move to Colorado uh, as far away from a gym as possible. <laughs> now, this is interesting. Nearly half of the gym members work out together. Okay, approximately 44%. I love this, though. Not everyone who, who goes wants to feel the burn. 30% of members admitted that they never actually break a sweat while they're at the gym because they're too busy chatting up others to focus on their workout. Well, surprise, 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 right? Well, uh, we are... Uh, talking about the ways that uh, we want to be able to grow in a deeper way uh, with God, doing life his way rather than our way. And honestly, and I'm sure, you know, you've listened to many hosts and podcasts and journal shows, political shows, all those things talk. I mean, that is the number one talk. And I get it. I really get it. Um, I work in an essential industry. I am a pastor chaplain at assisted living full-time. 
And so we're going through the paces of quarantine and take temperatures, masks, and all those kinds of things. Um, but I have family members who are out of work, and that is stressful. In fact, I was thinking of the times when I was out of work. I, I contributed to raising a very large family of kids who are all grown, and uh, I've got grandkids and so forth. But it, it, it just hit me so heavy last week, the anxiety that I remember feeling about how, where am I going to get the money uh, to feed my family, to pay the mortgage, the rent, the bills, uh, and the debts that are already there. And I really, uh, I was really stunned that I felt all of those feelings all over again. And I, I realized there are millions of people that are feeling those things right now, wondering how we're going to get along, how we're going to take care of our kids and so forth. And I don't have all of those specific answers, but I do have a God who is great big, and he has promised to take care of those who are fully devoted to him. He says, seek the kingdom first and his righteousness and everything we need for food, clothing, and shelter will be prepared for us and taken care of. So that, that is a promise that, that we rely on. I hope you're relying on that as well. I, I chose the topic of cooperating with God based on a little verse. A little verse that I read in Hebrews chapter 12 as I was preparing some teaching times with, with uh, the residents that I serve. And uh, before I get to that, I, I just want to kind of uh, do a little prelude here um, to let you know I'm, <laughs> I'm not interested in doing a Bible study. In fact, I, I prepare and do Bible studies uh, way more than I ever did as a pastor. And I've been a pastor for 28 or 30 years, 28 years in, in different churches uh, across the United States. Uh, but um, it occurred to me that um, I, I didn't even want to do a sermon. I know there are plenty of sermons out there. I don't want to preach at anybody, and I don't want to do a Bible study you can find great Bible studies on podcasts and YouTube channels and so forth. So I encourage you to do that. My, this, my show, this show, Kurt and our show here, this is about reflecting on our path, our journey a little bit, looking for stories in the lives of others that can encourage and strengthen us. And, and so um, that, that's kind of my framework just so you know, all right? And so as I was preparing a study, we're going through the book of Hebrews at the uh, community where I am, I'm uh, the pastor there. And in chapter 12, this little verse hit me like a ton of bricks, especially as I was um, empathizing and sympathizing with 
not only my family and friends, but really the whole nation, as there is a, a great sense of anxiety that is even spilling out into anger and frustration. And uh, it's not going to get better anytime soon in terms of that frustration. It is our prayer, obviously, that uh, this virus be uh, contained and eliminated. And I'm sure the best that we have in the world are working on that. And meantime, our governors and politicians are doing their best to figure out safety and at the same time trying to keep our nation uh, alive and strong. So those are all worthy prayer concerns. But this this verse uh, captured my heart, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. And it's just four words. It just, And it's not the whole verse. It's the first part of verse 7. It says, endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not Legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters of God at all. Wow. That's uh, that's a big sledgehammer for me. For me. In our life here in America, where we have and have become accustomed to so many blessings and gifts and ease and voices, and diversity, and uh, beauty, and now that we're hit with something that is locking us into our homes for the sake of life and the life of others, uh, what seemed to be easy was and is becoming rather hard. And when I read this verse, endure hardship as discipline, I began to reflect and think about the Lord's discipline. You know, there are a couple of ways, maybe even a few ways that we can think about discipline. I, I looked up discipline. Um, I think it was in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary. There's, there's many uh, definitions, as you can imagine, for the word discipline. Uh, I'll read them here for you. One the first one they give is control gained by enforcing obedience or order. That sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Control gained by enforcing obedience or order. However, at first you might think, well, yeah, that might be someone doing that to someone else. However, when I think of that and I do that to myself, Self-control, you know, that is a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Control gained by enforcing obedience or order, or self-enforcing obedience and order. So I thought, at first I didn't like that definition, but I'm starting to like it. It's kind of fitting. The next one the next definition for discipline is orderly or prescribed conduct or pattern of behavior. It seems to me that is 
almost the expression of an organized, disciplined, self-controlled behavior. In other words, people can see it in me. Um, they can see that I'm disciplined. Now, if they came into my bedroom, they would see that my bed is not made. And I do know there is a famous book out there about making your bed. <laughs> but I like my bed to, uh, to get fresh during the day while I'm gone. Is that a good uh, excuse? <laughs> I hope so. Other definitions are self-control. And then I thought it was interesting. Uh, there's a definition here of punishment. And immediately I went, no, no, wait a minute. Punishment is different. And so I looked up punishment. Punishment is one of the definitions is suffering, pain, or loss that serves as retribution. Another definition, a penalty inflicted on an offender through judicial procedure. And then, of course, there is the idea of severe, rough, or disastrous treatment. You know, it was punishing to go through whatever it was I was going through. That would be an example of that. So I understand why the word punishment could be used as a definition of discipline. This next definition, training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. So I, I think that's enough of the, of the definitions because when I look at the context of the book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 12, the writer is, is trying to persuade what we think are Jewish Christian believers who are making decisions, behaving in ways that are strongly suggesting they want to go back to Judaism. They want to go back to the old covenant, the old method of worship. And so the full force of Hebrews is the writer who we not, we don't really know who it is, uh, but there are many good, solid guesses out there. Um, that the, the intent of the writer is, is an apologetic, not only to defend Christianity, but far more importantly, to persuade these Jewish believers who are backsliding. And it's very instructive. And so by the time we get to 12, you know, he's, he's already covered a whole list of witnesses, people who lived in the Old Covenant, who testified of their faith in God and, uh, and how important faith is to the life. And when he gets to chapter 12, he begins it with, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Boy, there's a lot to reflect there because, honestly, this quarantine is not a race that I would have anticipated or you would have anticipated. I don't think there is anything about the last month and a half that was on your agenda for this year or for the next five years. But here it is. And here's the instructions of, of God. Let's run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. 
So the encouragement here is not so much the focus on what what the circumstance is. The world helps us focus on that, don't they? 24-7. But the focus of God is this is on your path. This is on my path. It is marked out for us. And therefore, run with perseverance, focusing on Jesus. He is the anchor. And he gave us the example who for the joy set before him. And you know what the joy is, right? Some people think it's, it's the joy of returning to the Father. Well, there is certainly some joy there, right? Or the, the, the joy of heaven. I could see that, but I really believe the joy was you. The joy was me. The joy of his life, of God's life, is us. And so endured the cross, scorned its shame, despised the shame, didn't focus on it, set it aside. That was the agenda of the world, but that's not the agenda of Jesus. He scorned its shame and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when I, that's, that's the background context of this little four-word phrase, endure hardship as discipline. And as I was thinking about this, and I just am encouraging you to think, think on, these, on these things. You may come up with way better conclusions and, and suggestions on what that can mean for you or for, uh, for the community of Christian believers all across the world. But since I only get to talk to myself <laughs> and you put the name where I was landing. And that is that, you know, in, in the verses right before, the writer says, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his child? Oh, this is encouragement. This is encouragement. And what is the encouragement? It's the encouragement of the Father speaking to me, speaking to you. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. My daughter, this is the Father in heaven saying, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons and his daughters. He chastens. You know, I was thinking about the time of raising kids. Can you imagine what it would be like in your home if there was absolutely no discipline and everybody did whatever they wanted? I, I feel sorry for you if that's the way your home is. <laughs> Uh, it, it's either Disneyland or uh, desert. I don't know. It might be crazy, might, might, might not be. But I think every parent, those of you who are parents, uh, you recognize how important it is to model uh, the kind of behavior you want your kids to have and then to set up boundaries because they don't know what's on the other side of the boundary. They don't know the dangers, the consequences. They don't know that there's cars coming down the parking lot, but we do. 
they don't know the dangers that that lurk when you know they go out on a date but we do you know so uh we we have concerns about all of those things we have concerns about the friends they hang out with because we been there. We know the content. We know it's on the other side of the boundary, and we go, oh, oh, we don't want that. We don't want that for our kids. And so, when I think about our Father in Heaven who rebukes us or disciplines us, and I, when I use the word discipline, I keep thinking training, because the Lord trains the ones He loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And now this four-word phrase, endure hardship as discipline. That is, endure hardship as training. And honestly, I don't know that I ever, I could ever put in such a concise way as the scripture writer did just now by saying, endure hardship as discipline. I mean, we, I, can, I have taught about suffering and God wants to create in our heart and, and uh, going to great lengths to try to present that in a way that people will receive that. And it's challenging. But here in this phrase, it's so clear. Because there's, there is a, uh, I told myself not to lip smack. <laughs> I have a little sign here. Do not lip pop and smack. I apologize. I'm working on that. Also, I have written down no hums, ums, ahs, and uhs. If some of you are keeping track, well, bless your heart. It would be interesting to find out how many times I have done this just in the first 45 minutes. Uh, I'm going to try to make this a a shorter show. Um, So in any case, endure hardship as training and training from God. So let me throw this out to you and and, uh, you can ruminate on this. Chew the cud of it, so to speak. Do you think that God was surprised, caught off guard by this coronavirus? I don't think so. Do you think he was surprised at the response of different nations? Sometimes the over-response, the under-response, do you think he was surprised by any of it? Do you think he went, oops, oh, I left this part out about the quarantine. Oh, I hope I hope my children will still love me after they go through this. Do you think he was caught off guard by any of that? I don't think so. In fact, I know so. He knows what's path. He knows what's on the race marked out for us. He knows. And if he knows, then he knows about this hardship. And God is saying, I want you, Chris, to use this hardship as discipline, as training. Because I'm treating you as my child. 
wow, that just opened up all kinds of doors for me. I don't know how it how it happened, but I suddenly felt encouraged. Yes, I have worries about I'm trying to save up money so that if they need help during this time, because I've got grandkids, and we don't know what the job market will hold, do we? We don't know what the inflation rate will be in a few weeks and how high it will go. We don't know how little spending money we will have because of that inflation. If we're business owners, we don't know if we're going to be able to open this business or keep it open. We don't know anything. All we know is that it's hard. And it's going to be hard work to get our family back to where it was. And several people have said, I don't think my family is going to be the same. I may not be working the same job. Everything is going to change. It's really stunning, isn't it? How little virus that we can't see is turning our world upside down, turning your world and my world upside down. And it's becoming a hardship that could become increasingly harder, regardless of what the country does, regardless of how much money they put in a bank account. That can be used up really quick. Endure hardship as training. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not true sons and daughters at all. So there's an expectation here for us as devoted believers that hardship is ours. Hardship belongs to us. We share in the hardship of Christ, and Christ shares in our hardship. This is what it meant in the fellowship of suffering, so that we fellowship in the resurrection. I'm going to have you think on those things for a few moments while I do a few courteous commercials, if I might. I'm just going to read to you because I, I said, Annie, um, just print out what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Make life easy for me. So here, I'm just going to read this. We want to thank Linked Local Network for broadcasting our show. And I, let me just put a little PS in there. If you are hunting and looking for the podcasts for these shows, you should go to linkedlocalnetwork.com. Go there on your browser and then look for Life Hurts, God Heals. Type that into this page and you will find every podcast. If you are an iTunes platform or an FM player platform or some other platform, make sure that you don't search for Life Hurts, God Heals. Search for Linked Local Network in your podcast platform. And once you're there, then uh, look for Life Hurts, God Heals. And you'll find all of our episodes. Anyway, that's my little PS. That was like a PSS, 
PPSS or S, or is it a PPSS? I don't know. It's one of those. Um, but there are some other shows on the linked local network that um, are sponsoring us, and so we want to sponsor them. One is the Road to Recovery, which uh, plays on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central. Another show is Community Voices Chat that is heard every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And also Pillars of Franchising, which uh, plays live on Thursdays at 4 p.m. No, Central Standard Time. I'm on the Central Coast. Get with it, Chris. Uh, I would also encourage you to subscribe to the Linked Local Network to get uh, into any of your favorite podcast platforms, and then you can always locate uh, wonderful podcasts, including ours. Aww. We, uh, we, you can also contact us on our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. Uh, in fact, I had to play around with that, and, and then I checked in with Kurt and Annie, and I said, did I do that all right? <laughs> You know, I used to be into a lot of tech stuff, but now in my fluffy older age, I really don't like learning new things, uh, technical anymore. But uh, in fact, I'll probably someday use one of those big button push phones and I'll be just happy, I guess, about that. Anyway, contact us on our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals, or email us. And this is how uh, people do respond to us. Life Hurts, God Heals. 20 at gmail.com. Let me say that again. Life hurts. God heals 2020 at gmail.com. And that's all one word. And I would give you our phone number, but if you call in, I'm not going to answer. And it's not because I don't like you. It's just, I don't know how to answer the phone. I guess I need a, a, a helping hand to do that. Um, so if you are, frustrated and discouraged because you've been put on hold or you've been calling in, I'm just going to in, encourage you to endure that hardship as training from the Lord. Okay? All right. I will give you that number, 323-580-5755. Three, three, five, five, five. Uh, I don't know why I would give you that number. Well, you know why? Because you might want to write it down. Because uh very soon, Annie's going to rejoin me, and then you can have conversations with me. Or when I have some guest hosts, which I intend to have a few guest hosts, then talking, I can pretend to be interested but really focusing on your phone calls. Okay? See how that works? So I'll give you the number, 323-580-5755, but I'm letting you know right now, I can't answer it. I don't know how. Okay? All right. That was fun. So you've been uh, thinking about um, this passage of Scripture, endure hardship as training, as discipline. And the discipline comes from the, the title of our show, which was cooperating or cooperation with God during this virus. I didn't realize this, but un until probably, what was it, maybe five or six weeks ago, that on a number of different levels in my life, different circumstances, or I guess you could call them habits of behavior, or maybe habits of attitude, 
I don't know. I'm probably the only one that struggles with these things. But as I was contemplating those things, the word cooperation got my attention. That I really wasn't cooperating with God. I was cooperating with God in many other areas and growing in those areas. Behaviors and thoughts that I really wasn't cooperating. You know what I mean when I say uh, managing sin? This is one example that I find that I can get into a habit of and not realize that I'm in that habit of managing sin. So I decide to not have a certain attitude, right? And I wake up in the morning and I'm disciplined to do that. And uh, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that attitude pops up and I express it. And then I feel bad and I, you know, go home and confess that and make another commitment. And the next day I'm doing it again, but this time it's not at 2, it's at, it's at 10 a.m. and in another circumstance. And, and I'm using that as an example of what I mean by managing sin because it seems as if what I've done in my life is I'm working on things but in reality, I'm just kind of moving them around in my life. Like I'll do really good for a week, but then in a moment of weakness, I respond to that temptation, and now I, I feel like I'm back or even further back than I was. And that's discouraging. And I go through this back and forth, two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, not really experiencing any growth or change in my life. And I, I, I realize, I, I think I'm managing sin. And really what I'm supposed to be doing is ridding my life from sin. Living as if the flesh is, is dead, as in Romans 6 and 7. And even eight. Consider, consider the old flesh dead. Live according to the spirit. In the new spiritual nature. And as I explored those things. I, I found that every time I was tempted and responded to the temptation. It was like I was. <laughs> I had a picture of of me as a, you know, one of those blow-up balloons that looked like me, you know, waving in a, in a storefront. And that's the old me, and so the air is all out of it. But every time I respond to a temptation, I'm, I'm pumping life. And there I am, you know, I've, I've got the little nozzle to the, to the little uh, place where you blow in air, and I'm pumping a bicycle pump. And I'm pumping air and life into that old nature. And the Bible is saying, no, no. The way to kill, the way to, to operate and be free from the slavery of the, the old nature, the, the master of the old nature, is in the nature. So I began focusing, uh, really the last five years, focusing on living in the new nature. Living, living, living. Galatians 5, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And boy, that sounds really simple, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. 
because the temptation still happened. So even though I walk in the spirit, I'm walking in the spirit through hardship, through temptations. And there's ample opportunity for me to divert my path and head back and blow up my little blow up Chris, <laughs> you know, my little uh, uh, balloon Chris. That's another word that struck me, and it was someone else was doing a Bible study. And this was about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and they handed out a book. And in the book, uh, they used the word abandon. And they were talking about abandoning old behaviors. And as I thought about that, I came to uh, passages like in Colossians where it says, rid yourself of malice and greed and uh, anger, all those things, and put on. And the idea of abandonment was so strong. Because when I didn't abandon it, I well, carrying my, my big blow-up dummy Chris along with me, you know, just in case, so that I always have it there. And there was almost an acknowledgement that I was going to sin again. I was going to acquiesce to that temptation. But when I thought of the word abandon and abandonment, I was making another kind of commitment. I was saying, I'm going to put all this stuff in a suitcase and I'm going to leave it behind me as I walk this path. And so I've been exercising that and doing that, and I've discovered that not only do I have more freedom, but I've also observed myself walking back toward the suitcases, going backwards in my journey. I've even made it back to the suitcase, opened it up, did all the stuff in there, played around with it, whatever it was, sealed up the suitcase, and then started heading in the opposite direction. And then I have a wake-up moment. I go, what are you doing? You don't need this. You don't need this suitcase in your life anymore. God is asking you to put it down. So I turn around, put it down, and I start heading in a different direction, in the, in the path marked out for me. You know what I was doing right there? I was cooperating with God. Cooperating. And it's an interesting word, this cooperation. You know, I went back to Merriam-Webster. You know, this is what pastors do, right? We don't really know anything. We just know where to find what everybody else knows. That's what we do. The actions of someone who is being helpful by doing what is wanted or asked for when I'm cooperating with God, I'm being helpful to God by doing what he wants and what he's asking. This is cooperation. Cooperation. Do you know what's interesting in this Hebrews 12? There's another interesting, uh, well, there's some more interesting verses here. Let me read a few more here. It says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? 
submit. That was banging around in my head. Submit, Chris. That's what I was doing with abandoning my suitcases behind me. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I don't need those suitcases anymore. I am submitting. I'm submitting. That's an important aspect to cooperation, don't you think? Submitting to the Lord. So when I go back to this endure hardship as discipline, endure, that means it's not going to be easy. The next several months for you are not going to be easy. They're going to be harder. And the next year is going to be way harder than last year or perhaps even the last five years. But God says, I will be with you. I will take care of you. You fix your eyes on me. I promise you, I will take care of all those needs. That's how we opened up the show this evening. But now God is saying, I want you to endure the hardship. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hurtful. Many of you perhaps have even lost a loved one to this virus. There is grief in your heart. This is hard. This is painful. And this training. And so the word of encouragement, which is what what the message of the Bible here is, that the Father is saying, I want to encourage you so that you will be encouraged. I want you to trust me. I want you to endure this hardship and I want you to see this hardship as from me. I knew it was going to come. I knew it was. And I knew it would would be hard and difficult, painful and hurtful for all of my devoted believers. I knew it would be hard for the world, but especially hard for my devoted believers because it would cause you to question my love. And God is saying, I love you. And I want you to actually look to my son. Look at how he He emptied himself of all the prerogatives of God. He left heaven. He came to earth, Philippians says, in the weakness of human flesh and didn't just come as a human being, but came as a slave, a servant to humanity so that we would know how to rely on the Father to rely on God, to rely on the Holy Spirit during the difficulties. He is our model. And for the joy set before Jesus, which is you and I, he endured the cross. And so here's the direction in cooperating, enduring this hardship by submitting, submitting our heart to this hardship, and then recognizing why we're doing this. We're doing this because we love you, God. We love you, Jesus. We 
love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We love you. So it is our intent to endure this hardship, cooperating with you, Father. We are your children. Help us to do that. Help us to do that. Well, that's that's all I wanted to share with you today. I hope that was helpful. Those are things that I'm uh, looking at and thinking about. And who knows what I'll be thinking about next week. But we will have another episode uh, next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And would love to have you join us. I don't even know what I'm going to think about, reflect on. In fact, that's really been kind of the tenor of Life Hurts, God Heals, is Kurt and I, we, we figure out what we're going to to talk about on Sunday, but then we don't talk about it till the show. Because we just want to see what the Holy Spirit might bring to our hearts that would be fresh and relevant to you. So that's, that's really been our heart. Anyway, just want to pray a blessing over you, Father, just... Watch over all of the believers and all of those who are seeking you. Maybe they're not fully devoted to you yet, but they're seeking the truth. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and lead them. Father, you promised that anyone who is seeking you, they would find you. You promised that. Father, help them to continue to seek, even during this hardship that the whole world is feeling. And for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, who we will live together for eternity. In the meantime, Father, help us to see how much you love us. Help us to live our lives in a way that loves you back. And for these things, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my listeners, I love you. Take care. God bless you. And I fixed on Jesus.